Welcome to this episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and I love scary stories. And instead of Misty, who has the flu, we're joined by a different Profess Her. Hi, I'm Christina, and I hate all things scary. <laughs> So she's perfect for today's episode, which is about scary stories by female authors. Yes. So as someone who hates all things scary, yes, you're the perfect choice, of course, to talk about scary stories with us today. Yes. So as, as usual, I do want to preface it by saying this is not an exhaustive list. We obviously will have future episodes where we can talk about more scary stories, but we want to do the big hits this time uh and we're gonna start of course with what i think is maybe the biggest hit in terms of female written scary stories and it's one that you've actually read and love i actually love this one okay so we brought you here to talk about the one that you like thank you i appreciate it When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster If only, if only that's what the monster did And Frankenstein was the monster mash Yes So tell me why you love this book Frankenstein, Um, written by Mary Mary Shelley Shelley, yes I... I don't know if it, this sounds kind of creepy, but I feel like I could relate to the monster. Um, Oh, tell me more about that. Yes. So, you know, the monster was pieced together from different body parts, which is gross. Do you feel that that describes you? I feel like that describes society today. Um, But uh, with Frankenstein, I don't know. I just, I felt sorry for the monster because he didn't ask to be created or be brought back to life. Hopefully that's not the part you relate to. (laughs) Well, none of us asked to be here, did we? Uh, Let's be honest. Um, That's true. That's true. And you know, he is, uh, I don't want to get into your psychology. Okay. Yes, let's stay away from that. But he is created and then almost immediately rejected Mm -hmm. by the people who, by the person who created him. Yes. And he spends his whole existence in the book yearning for his father figure Mm -hmm. to accept and love him. Yes. He's also denied an education, which he desperately wants. Yes. Uh, And so he has to kind of learn to read through the window. And that actually is a perfect analogy for how women were treated. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was intentional on Mary Shelley's part but in a lot of ways Frankenstein's monster is treated kind of the way women were yes I can so kind of left out of the conversation Mm -hmm. uh and denied rights to (laughs) to education yes 
Yeah, Christina's no. learning why she shouldn't leave her phone on the table that the microphones are attached to. My apologies. That's okay. I'm new. Sorry. No, that's fine. First day on so the So I'm going to ask you something. <laughs> Do you think <clears throat> that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is an especially important book? Oh, yes. Why? Definitely. Well, I think because, again, you know, creating this person, having certain expectations, and then you know rejecting your own creation but he's alive i know it's not real but he's a a living being um so who has needs as all human beings do and Mm -hmm. to be created and expected to be something he can't live up to or will never live up to Mm -hmm. and never being loved i think is definitely important Um, and a lot of people can relate to that because either they put expectations on themselves Mm -hmm. or other people put unrealistic expectations on them so i i just i don't know i love the book i thought it was fantastic so i don't know if you know this because you're uh well you were a speech professor before you became everyone's boss um (laughs) yes (laughs) women taking over the world yeah uh but it's the first book that we can really call science fiction ever yes that too yes i took it during it was for a science fiction college course i never got to take one of those yes i mean i was an english major no i was actually at tarrant county college i took it at the south campus an elective yes Mm -hmm. and this this is where i read mary shelley frankenstein so there are there are stories that come before frankenstein that Mm -hmm. are fantasy that have obviously there are scary stories in Mm -hmm. gothic literature um, there are elements of, you know, obviously the supernatural, ghosts, yes. religious elements. But this is the first story where the scary elements have to do with science. Mm-hmm. And this is the first work of literature we have that says we should not do things just because we can. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that there are very few women characters. Uh, of course, Dr. Frankenstein has think his cousin who he maybe marries yeah i can't remember i think i i purposely forgot those details because <laughs> it's very sordid and yeah but i do now that you say that i do recall some interesting familial but they're very on the sidelines yes. of the story mm-hmm. and then uh at the, of course at the end of the book there becomes a mrs frankenstein's yes. monster yes which is also kind of sordid and creepy oh yes definitely did it, did she sign the book with her a pen name or was it her real name? So when she originally published the book, mm-hmm. she published it, I believe, with her initials. Okay, that's because right. she, I mean, it's it's not a, a gender ambiguous name, mm-hmm. Mary, and uh, she knew it wouldn't be taken as seriously if it were that's written right. by a woman. That's so right. uh, the original story conceived of in a scary story coming up with contest that she and her husband and her friends were having <clears throat> and so she came up with a story and she told the scary story and i, I hope she won the contest <laughs> because she should have none of the rest of the stories became seminal works of literature and none of them created a, a new genre of science fiction so mm-hmm. hopefully she won the contest but probably not because yeah. she's a lady and i'm sure no one was listening to her and then but um, it was an interesting, 
it was an, an, an interesting time period. There was a volcano erupting, and it was changing. Not not there, but it was. <laughs> I, said, I don't remember that part. <laughs> in, in a different part of the the continent. Okay, but it was changing the weather patterns Ooh. in England at the time. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew what was going on, right? Okay. Because it's whatever the 1820s. Yeah, and so they don't have atmospheric weather reporting, mm-hmm. and so. It was a time to think about things in a kind of supernatural, creepy way because you don't understand why everything is dark and all the weather is shifting. And so it was interesting. And I mean, the same things happen now sometimes, right? Volcanoes mm-hmm. erupt and there's ashes and in darkness. And mm-hmm. But now we know what exactly is going on. Yes. So her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft. She wrote something that you might be aware of called A Vindication of the Rights of Women. Oh. And she wrote that in the 1700s. I don't think we talked about that in my class. No. Well, it wasn't science fiction related. No, but that's an interesting fact. And considering Mary Shelley was a female mm-hmm. and, you know, wrote this very unique story. Yeah. Hmm. And so Mary Shelley and her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, are what we might call proto-feminists. Because they didn't even really know that they could advocate for equality among the sexes. Mm. They were really just advocating for a little advancement. Mm -hmm. As Misty would probably say, just to be acknowledged as people, Mm -hmm. mostly, right? Mm -hmm. Women are people. So I want to transition us to the 20th century. Okay. So did you know, you know Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds, right? Yes. Did you know it was based on a book? course not (laughs) what do you learn as a speech professor how to speak eloquently and did you persuade people okay so are you gonna like do some mind tricks on us probably not okay are you but you are gonna do some voices i see i yes (laughs) it's very there's power in the voice and the tone so how you say it the birds was a novel yes or a story by <clears throat> Daphne du Maurier. Maurier? Probably Maurier. Maurier. Yeah. Probably if it's French. So she wrote uh, a lot of books. Twelve of her books were made into movies. Three of her books were made into Hitchcock movies. Oh, wow. And she was a writer in the 1950s. So she is a notable female author of scary stories. I've never read any of them, so I'm not going to talk at length about any of them because that would just be a waste of everyone's time. (laughs) But (laughs) she is a notable uh, female scary story writer, as is Shirley Jackson. And you probably know Shirley Jackson from The Lottery. Have you read the story of The Lottery? Okay. So that's vaguely creepy. And then very scary at the very end. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, If you have never read The Lottery, um, first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, spoiler alert, I guess. (laughs) But uh, so in that story, she mixes a great, Shirley Jackson does a great job of blending social commentary and creepy scariness. Mm -hmm. And so uh, eventually, you know, everybody's waiting to win the lottery. And Mm -hmm. we have this very elaborate system of drawing and I teach the story all the time and my students always say oh god it was so boring until the end <laughs> right and it and it, I never thought about it that way I can't remember when I read it the first time so mm. knowing the ending every time I reread it I'm like combing through the details looking for foreshadowing it's you know a lot of it there but yeah I think it would probably be very boring mm-hmm. 
the first time you read it because it's like, okay, we're going to go in alphabetical order. One person from every family and then the family that wins. Then everyone from that family, right? And we have to stand around and wait for a long time. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it seems boring. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, they win the lottery. Mm. Not a lottery you really want to win. No. I will tell you sometimes my students read it. And they're so attached to the idea of winning a lottery that they think that she won a bunch of money and prizes. Hmm. And then they stoned her to death to take the prizes that she won. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so... I think that says a lot about society. Right, we're so attached to the idea that you win money and prizes from the lottery that even though there is no mention of winning anything... They just, yeah. they, they superimpose it into the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She must have won money. It's a lottery. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I'm glad you teach it and actually. Oh, no, I don't tell them that they're wrong. I let oh. them believe. Th- no, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> These poor students. <laughs> so some. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is fun. Do this with your boss. Uh, so uh, another scary story from the 1950s mm-hmm. is the haunting of hill house by yes. shirley jackson okay have you seen it on netflix i yes and i didn't they make a movie as well they've made several several movies, movies? Yes. I, yes i think every time i see the previews i change it because i'm more into the psychological thrillers the like uh paranormal activity and that kind of stuff the creepy crawlies ghosts whatever the, that really freaks me out so what about the haunting of Hill House is not appealing to you? That you could live in a house that is haunted. <laughs> and why would you stay there? I just don't understand those movies. Why, if you know there's like really creepy, just scary, paranormal stuff happening. Why would you stay there? Why? Um, well, they're house flippers in the Netflix series. Oh, interesting. So are they constantly flipping this house? Well, so that's why they selling. That's why they buy it, and oh. they make this huge investment <clears throat> to buy this house, mm-hmm. and they're going to fix it up. Okay. See, that makes me not want to flip houses. So. D- did you previously that, want to flip houses? I had a desire for a minute, but now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely gone. The endless barrage of house flipping shows <laughs> on TV has made you. Yeah. Did you know that Sir Mix-a-Lot has a show where he flips houses? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic. <laughs> I've heard it all we- <laughs> God, It's called, like, what is it called? Uh, the House Remix or something like that. Oh, I don't know. That makes sense. I don't know. But uh, in this Netflix series mm-hmm. is a kind of reimagining of an original scary novel. Mm-hmm. Some people say the scariest book ever written oh yeah i probably won't read it then and much like the lottery (laughs) the first half is pretty boring oh okay uh i mean it's well written yeah so if you're if you are into character development and literary fiction then it's i mean i'm intrigued by it i like it they're developing these interesting characters they're creating these interesting relationships and it's an intriguing plot because uh a doctor wants to study a house that's known to be haunted. Mm-hmm. And so he invites people who have had previous encounters with the paranormal or supernatural okay. to come to this haunted house. So he thinks that there's some people are sensitive mm-hmm. to ghosts and hauntings and are able to be more perceptive. So he invites these specific people who have had these previous experiences <clears throat> to come to the house. And along with the 
a representative of the home's owner and the four of them are going to spend like several weeks in the house just taking notes on this <laughs> the paranormal experiences that they have okay. i'm not going to spoil <clears throat> this book because I, I i do think everyone should read it because you know i never will read it so you'll have to tell me after the podcast okay <laughs> i'll tell you but there are it's very creepy yeah uh and so their first night there he says nothing's going to happen there are, there's a pattern to the way these things happen mm-hmm. but all of the people affiliated with the house uh refuse to be there in the nighttime mm. so there's a like a there's a caretaker and his wife and they keep up the property and um she's kind of acting as maybe like a maid to them she's giving them she's like serving their food and like cleaning up their dishes but she says, I'm, I leave at 6 p.m. every night. Mm-hmm. I won't be here at night. I'll come back in the morning. Ugh. So already, right? Yeah. Creeptastic. Uh, that's a big sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, they think she's crazy. Huge. They okay. think, oh, she's just like this weird old lady. And she's, she, you know, weird old ladies. But, um, and so then the first night, in fact, some things maybe happen i don't know i don't want to spoil it for yeah. you but it's interesting the way they adapt it for for netflix so they make it a family mm-hmm. moving into the house some of the characters okay. have the same names they add an additional character and they name her shirley which hmm. is of course the name of the author of the original book mm-hmm. and so then it's these kids and even after they leave the house they are still haunted Ooh. So is the moral of the story to listen to weird old ladies or what? (laughs) My mom would love that. (laughs) I love your mom. Uh, No. I'd listen to her anytime. (laughs) She's not weird. I mean. To you, you're her daughter. Of course. (laughs) I am going to do a creepy reading of some creepy passages to you. Yes, please. Okay. I brought my Kindle and everything. We're going to. Make this room haunted now. (laughs) Don't tell me that. (laughs) Then every time I come in here to do a podcast, I'm going to be like, is it haunted? Uh, Let's see. You should start the podcast off (laughs) like that. With the hauntings? Yes. Uh, Okay. So. It was an act of moral strength to lift her foot and set it on the bottom step. And she thought that her deep unwillingness to touch Hill House for that first time came directly from the vivid feeling that it was waiting for her. Evil, but patient. Why didn't she leave? Turn around. <laughs> Just turn around. This is why I can't go to the movie theater, because I talk to the screen. I just don't understand these people. Why? Why? Uh, I mean... Because it's an act of moral strength. That's what she just said. Yes. She's trying to face her fears. Didn't didn't your mother ever say to you constantly, do something that you're afraid of? Yeah, but not <laughs> go into a haunted... <laughs> this is what our mothers meant when they said... Go into a haunted do house. Do things that scare you. Okay. They, this is what they were referring to. They Ugh. weren't referring to like asking for raises yeah. or like going for the doctorate degree ordering my own food (laughs) from a restaurant not having her do it (laughs) making your own phone calls this is not those are not what our mothers were referring to they were referring specifically to going into haunted houses okay i'm sorry mom i totally missed what you were trying to tell me 
So this is this, this is a very short line, but it, it, it to me it's very creepy. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hill, it is. Hill House has a reputation for insistent hospitality. If you guys could like, see the face that, that Christina's making right now, I like to call it Fuchi face. It's a Latina <laughs> thing. Look it up. Um, <laughs> again, it, it just I don't know. Walk away. Yeah. But there are so there are a lot of great uh, great lines in the book, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to do like whole dramatic reading of the whole book to you. I think we should do that one day. <laughs> just just a suggestion. Well, I mean, as we develop more podcasts for our podcast network, okay, we, we can will. Do this. We will. I mean, there are plans to have me do some readings of things, <laughs> not entire novels, oh, okay. because that would take a long time. <laughs> uh, but months. yeah, <clears throat> some. I, I mean, I've already got a recording of me reading the lottery to my students. Ooh, okay. Because when I teach in person, I read it out loud. Mm-hmm. I read the first half to them. And then I say, go home and read the second half. Mm. Uh, and so I replicated that experience for my online students. I recorded myself reading the first half. And I do it kind of dramatically to mm. get them enthralled. Because, again, the first half is not that interesting. See, but there's a lot of heavy foreshadowing. And you see the importance of speech, right? <sighs> <laughs> is that what that's that's what they teach you to do when you're learning to be a speech professor is they just teach you how to annoyingly insert into conversations see that's why you need to study public speaking and also how to pretend that you know what you're talking about oh you definitely know how to do that oh all the time yeah Skills. so another book well this is a short story from mm-hmm. the 60s where are you going where have you been hmm so it's not a haunting story. You'll be glad to know. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're going to like this more it? or less. Okay, let's see. What's it about? Are you are you laughing at my song choice? Not at all. <laughs> just, it's not, it's not scary. It's called, oh, okay. That makes sense. I like how Stevie Wonder had my back there. I was about to say, it's called, and then he came <laughs> in with it. That was great. Perfect timing. I'm going to pretend like that was on purpose. So, the story is called, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? And it's uh, about a young girl, teenage girl. Mm-hmm. She and her mother hate each other. Sound familiar? No. No? I mean, when I watched my friends, yes. (laughs) She and her mother were screaming at each other. Uh, Why don't you act more like your sister? Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, And so Connie is the teenage girl and uh, notoriously has one set of clothes she wears when she leaves the house and Mm. another set she puts on when she's at her destination. Mm, That requires effort. I never... But I I do remember having friends who did that. Yeah, change mm-hmm. clothes when they yes. got places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they you're not gonna walk out of the house looking that way. So that's her family situation. And okay. in this in the it's a short story by Joyce Car- Joyce Carol Oates. Um, the dad, I think, has almost no lines in the whole story. He comes home from mm. work, he reads a newspaper, and the scene is depicted of like the mom and the daughter just kind of arguing across him while he's reading his newspaper he's like came home from work wants his meat and potatoes kind of dude 
So n- kind of neglect or inattention from one parent mm-hmm. and a lot of negative attention from another parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they go off to, I mean, Connie's always going off to drive-in restaurants. Do you know what that is? Uh, yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and I guess that's where kids hung out at the time. Hmm. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I guess I could ask my mom. Uh, but so she lies, sneaks around, you know, flirts with boys, gets in cars with boys, uh, does all this kind of t- very, what I would say, pretty typical stuff for a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Maybe not typical in 50s and 60s, but very typical for 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. A lot of your parents, you know, run around. Yeah. So um, her parents go to a barbecue one day. And a guy who saw her at the drive-in, not a guy she talked to, though, shows up at her house. So the first half of the story is this background about Mm -hmm. Connie and her life. The second half of the story is a single scene of her in the house and him outside the house and maybe her on the front porch. Him basically trying to convince her to get in the car. And there's a lot of psychological trickery and a lot of, like... Mm. Very scary stuff. Yeah. And uh, she eventually gets in his car. Oh, wow. And, so, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, spoiler alert again. But um, so the story is kind of an examination of what would bring a girl to do something like that. Mm. Not that she had it coming or that it's her fault. Yeah. But what would drive a decision to kind of take the step out the door into the car? Huh. And so it's questionable whether she did it to save her family from this guy she knows is creepy mm-hmm. or whether she's doing it because this is her chance to get that kind of positive attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting story. And it's based on a real life serial killer. Oh. Charles Sh- Schmid. Not Schmidt. Schmid. Yeah. Ugh. But in, the, in real life, he's a serial killer who got girls and then the girls helped him kidnap more girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yikes. That is scary. And you do, you always, I mean, I always ask myself, I try not to be judgmental. I try. But, you know, what. Do you? I'd say 75% of the time. I try not to. But. That, that must be all the time you're not at work. <laughs> it helps. Um, but I, I wonder why people do these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people jump to assumptions, mm-hmm. jump to conclusions, and. You just you never really know unless you're that person exactly and even if you ask them if you're able to if they're still alive right. why'd you do it it's you know whether or not you believe their answer mm-hmm. so you never ever ever know and even when they answer it's still hard for them to explain what it felt like in the moment yes. that they made that decision yes yeah 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 that's super creepy so some other some other books from the 20th century that we want to talk about in future scary story podcasts Mm -hmm. uh beloved oh okay yes and interview with the vampire oh these are two of misty's favorite books so we're gonna let her talk about them okay i will tell you that i think misty read interview with a vampire when she was in elementary school i believe it so maybe that tells us (laughs) something about her maybe we shouldn't (laughs) talk about her while she's not here so you don't have to be a book nerd to know that in the last 15 years uh female authors have kind of taken over mystery writing obviously the first one that comes to mind 
is Gone Girl. From oh, man. 2008. Yeah, that was... I was very angry at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you were angry because it tricked you, or... I was just angry at the, the main character, just how manipulative and... Okay, so hold on. Hold that thought. Okay. Before we get to Gone Girl, okay. I want to talk about Tana French. Okay. She's an she's American-born Irish writer, educated in Ireland, lives in Ireland, and all her novels are set in Ireland. They're very well-received in the UK, and hmm. they're widely read bestsellers in the United States. They're called Murder Squad books, and they're about detectives. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But they do get very creepy. The first one's called In the Woods. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most recent one, I think that just came out, I haven't read it even, it's called The Witch Elm. So there's some creepy elements. It's not like an episode of Law and Order kind of detective story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some of the books feature female lead detectives uh, who kind of have to fight the old boys club Mm. culture of the police department. Some of it is, I mean, some sometimes they're fighting just like outright, blatant, spoken, verbalized misogyny. Hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about the sixth book, which is called The Secret Place. Ooh. It's not as scary as it sounds. It's about a girl's school, and they have this bulletin board called The Secret Place. And they all put like uh, post-it notes or like little index cards with hmm. their secrets on this bulletin board. We you know, have that here at work. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be a great stress reliever. As long as nobody actually read them. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a great way to get fired. <laughs> so, you know, it, they're, they're teenage girls. They're, mm. So, who they have a crush on. Who ah. they, I saw kissing so-and-so, or someone kissing so-and-so. Uh, those kinds of secrets, typically. Okay. Uh, but there has been... A uh, young boy, not young boy, but like a teenage boy, mm-hmm. found dead on their campus. Ew. And like a year later, someone puts a note on this bulletin board that says, "I know who killed him." Oh wow! You don't have to whisper back. I was trying to do a creepy voice. Oh, but I can't, so I just whispered it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like my creepy voice would sound like a grandma. <laughs> I know who killed. Yeah, nope, <laughs> it's not gonna work. So. Uh, somebody puts up I know who killed him and then uh, there's this really tough very cool teenage girl named Holly who takes it off the bulletin board uh, and takes it right to the police her dad is a cop but she takes it to this other detective interesting who wants to do you know yeah talk to your dad so the person that she brings it to and her dad end up coming to the school to investigate and there are some supernatural elements in the book oh okay but there, it's also very high suspense because they kind of, it ends up being like a lock-in because they're trying to race to find who put it up there mm-hmm. and all of these <clears throat> kind of backstories come. It's very well composed in terms of giving you flashbacks and keeping you glued to what's happening. Okay. Um, and so there's some great lines in the book. I'm going to give you a few. I'm not going to spoil any books that are modern because except for Gone Girl. Yeah, I Uh, Let's see. So at one point, talking about Holly, it says she wants to leap up and do a handstand or get someone to race her fast and far to wreck them both. Anything that will turn her body back into something that's about what it can do, not about how it looks. Mm. 
So very teenage girl, right? Yes. Your value uh, coming from your appearance more than anything else. Yeah. Um, talking about people telling us to be scared, I'm going to read you a little bit of a longer okay. quote, but it's the most quip, famous quote from the book. <clears throat> Again, referring to Holly, the teenage girl. She hears all the voices from when she was little, soothing, strengthening, don't be scared, not of monsters, not of witches, not of big dogs, and now snapping loud from every direction, be scared. You have to be scared. Ordering like this is your one absolute duty. Be scared you're fat, be scared your boobs are too big, and be scared they're too small. Be scared to walk on your own, especially anywhere quiet enough that you can hear yourself think. Be scared of wearing the wrong stuff, saying the wrong thing, having a stupid laugh, being uncool. Be scared of guys not fancying you. Be scared of guys. They're animals, rabid, can't stop themselves. Be scared of girls. They're all vicious. They'll cut you down before you can cut them. Be scared of strangers. Be scared you won't do well enough in your exams. Be scared of getting in trouble. Be scared, terrified, petrified that everything you are is every kind of wrong. Wow. Right? Yeah. I almost started crying reading it. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, summary of most, <laughs> what most teenage girls and sometimes younger mm-hmm. be, start to go through. Yeah. So, very powerful writing yes. in this book that sometimes these books get dismissed as like a lady mysteries, Ugh. chick lit. <sighs> yeah. That's not cool. So, you you don't like Gone Girl? I, I mean... <clears throat> I think it was very well written, very suspenseful. I just, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth just because, you know, it's one of those things where you have a certain expectation mm-hmm. on how the outcome could should be, how the world should work. Mm-hmm. If you're a bad person, you should be punished. If you're a good person, good things should happen. You know, very mm-hmm. naive. I'm a very naive person. That's okay. Um, I mean, it, it was good in the way that it, it, it ends going against how you would expect it to end sure Um, but you're right so a work of literature values some things mm -hmm. and disvalues others yes and in a book characters who behave a certain way either get rewarded or don't Mm -hmm. and so if the book values honesty if a book is trying to promote virtue Mm -hmm. the virtuous characters triumph Mm -hmm. usually Usually. Yes. And even in something like Breaking Bad, which isn't literature, but is a, an easy, handy example, right? We are rooting for a guy who's bad. Yes. But ultimately, the show values not being a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And part of the reason he ends up being punished is not because he was a drug dealer, but because he just got so greedy and mm-hmm. so selfish and so egotistical. And I'm just going to say maniacal. Yes, there you go. Right. So even in <laughs> stories where the protagonist is <clears throat> not wholly good, which yes. is definitely the case in Gone Girl, yes. we're used to seeing them earn some kind of fate mm-hmm. that we feel reinforces our beliefs in what's right and wrong. Yes. You don't think Gone Girl does that? No. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's what makes it good, is that it goes against everything mm-hmm. you believe, everything you wish would happen. And then it makes you wonder, what is the point of this story then? Right? That's what you said earlier. It makes you wonder, what is the point of that book? What message is that mm-hmm. book trying to send us? Yes. 
Do you know? I do, but I'm an English teacher, so I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe after the podcast. <laughs> Can I get so, a cheat sheet? No. As you know, it was wildly successful, wildly popular book. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that anyone copied anything. Mm-hmm. But Somebody coincidentally, copied. wink, wink, mm-hmm. a lot of books started coming out with unreliable female narratives, mm-hmm. female narrators. Mm-hmm. Uh with this kind of dark, mysterious, suspenseful, psychological mystery. Mm. And all those books had the word girl in the title. It's <laughs> very creative. <laughs> girl on the train. She's oh. unreliable because she's drunk yes. all the time. Yes. I didn't even. Mm-hmm. Really? Hmm. Yeah. There's a book called All the Missing Girls. Mm-hmm. That's a Megan Miranda 2016 Girl on the Train is Paula Hawkins, 2015. Okay. Uh, girl on Ice, Pretty Girls, Luckiest Girl Alive, all these books, unreliable female narrators mm-hmm. and or kind of not <clears throat> good female protagonists. Okay. Complex. Then, you know, we evolve. Now we have a book called Woman in Cabin 10. Oh. Not girl. Now she's a woman. That's Ruth Ware in 2016. Okay. It takes place on a boat. Don't let the word cabin fool you. I thought it was going to be in the woods. Is it a cabin boat? No, it's what they call <laughs> it's what they call the the rooms. If you're oh, you're like on a cruise, yes. it's your cabin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, ride on a lot of boats, so apologies. We're not we're not yacht people, you know. We're just not yacht people. We chose to go into you know community college yeah. education, not the life anything that would lead us to a lifestyle of yachting Mm -mm. is can yachting be a word you you're the english teacher you tell me so (laughs) mystery and i'll be an english teacher for a minute mystery and suspense is a genre that can be literary Mm -hmm. and when we say literary what we mean is character driven Mm -hmm. complex storytelling that is similar to what you might read in a literature class okay so not you know the transformers novel i don't know do they novelize transformer <laughs> wouldn't read it if they did so <laughs> there are of course mystery and suspense books that are literary shirley jackson's mm-hmm. writing is literary you know lots of faulkner stories are scary uh those are literary but it's also a genre of what we call genre fiction which mm-hmm. is not literary so um there's a whole mystery and suspense section right next to romance novels in the bookstore ah. If you go to a physical, in-person bookstore where the books are made of paper, (laughs) which I don't even do anymore. Uh, I'm reading you quotes today out of my Kindle, but um, it is not a genre for women, but it is. So a lot of people think, right, mysteries and books are for ladies. Mm. Why? I I don't know. I thought men liked mysteries, too. They do. (laughs) That's the point. (laughs) Oh, okay. You just, so it's not a genre. There are a lot of uh, genre novels that are targeted to women readers. Romance novels and a lot of those mystery books. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think think my mom reads like a scrapbooking murder mystery series. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I love it. Okay. So, but it's not a genre that is for women, Mm -hmm. but it is a female, it is a field with a strong female presence on all sides okay writing reading right mm-hmm. uh and publishing mm-hmm. and so you know and a lot of times the subject matters like i said female i mean there are men who scrapbook obviously mm-hmm. but the target audience for a lot of the genre books nora roberts target audience is women 
Okay. Let's say it that way. Okay. <clears throat> In American publishing, 78% of the executives, uh, 78% of the employees are white, and 79% of them are female. Wow. So the publishing industry is overwhelmingly staffed by white ladies. Yeah. At the executive le- level, so very high up, only 60% female. That's still more than half, mm-hmm. but it's not as representative as the lower ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, so women are part of the industry, which is mostly because women are read more books mm-hmm. on average than men do in a year. With the exception of this woman. <laughs> Too tired, sorry. It's okay. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, so a lot of times authors uh, find themselves adjusting their subject material to be attractive to female audience mm. because women are make up more readers and women make up more people in publishing. That's not always true, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Stephen King is adjusting his novels to not be... one bit. <laughs> Love them, but mm. right to be more or less palatable to any specific audience. Yes. Right, he's writing his style. Yeah, and that's true for most authors. Yes. Um, there's another book by Jillian Flynn called Dark Places, which I prefer to Gone Girl, mm. uh, and it's about a girl named Ebby Day. Her whole family's murdered when she's a child, and it becomes like a true crime case that mm. the world is obsessed with. I don't know if you know this, but people are really into true crime. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's about five million shows about it. Yeah, I think ours <laughs> is the only podcast on earth that isn't about true crime and murder. And here we are talking about it now. But Oops. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything's just one big episode of Dateline NBC. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's interesting about this book, it's not a true story, but in the book, this is a survivor of a the massacre of her family Mm -hmm. and everyone's obsessed with her case so as an adult there are like people who have clubs like a murder club or a kill club something like that and all they do is sit around and talk about the murder of her own family Hmm. so it's interesting to think about because as as me me personally i listen to lots of true crime podcasts and i watch lots of documentaries uh making a murder or jinx um every episode ever of Dateline NBC. <laughs> That's me watching them. Uh, you know, listen to Serial. Did you listen to Serial, the podcast? No. Have you ever listened to a podcast? I have. Okay. I listen to yours. <laughs> Profess hers. It's the best one. This is going to be so my favorite episode. So. You chose You chose well. <laughs> so she's living what I would call true crime aftermath. She's okay. in it. And it's interesting to think about mm-hmm. because we... I don't want to say true crime fans don't think about that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not the focus of true crime storytelling. It's not how it feels to be a person associated with that mm. inside the story. Yeah. Um, so she's she lives on donations that were made when she was a child because she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Her whole family's murdered. And so people, this is before GoFundMe existed. Oh, gosh. Uh <laughs> But people sent donations, and that's what she lives off of. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that money dries up, and she's forced to... And she obviously has, you know, emotional, psychological issues, as you would, Yeah. Uh, from being in that situation. And so she has to go find a new source of income. And what she ends up doing is becoming associated with this group that's obsessed with her family. 
and she could, I mean, she can like pull something out of her storage, you know, her sister's teddy bear or something mm. and sell it for $500. Wow. Because there's a, it's a true crime, you know, artifact. Yeah. That people want to get their hands on, which is creepy. It is very creepy. Right? So anyway, I'm not going to get into the, I don't want to spoil it, mm-hmm. but it's a very interesting perspective. And she's a very strong female lead character. So what is the obsession with writing about unreliable or having an unreliable female narrator? I think it just makes the story more mysterious. If you... It does. If you are following along, you're intrigued by the story, and even if it's even if it's Gone Girl and mm-hmm. she's not a person that you particularly like, mm-hmm. she's horrible. there are still things about her that you can relate to. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> trying so hard. Once Christina, <laughs> once Christina doesn't like someone, they're out. Just done. So, uh. so we are relating to mm-hmm. a character. Mm-hmm. We are driven by, I mean, they're very plot driven in some cases. Yes. Uh, but it's an extra element of mystery. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Girl on the Train, she's drunk. Yes. Right? A lot. <laughs> and uh, so she has gaps in her memory. Yes. Which is part of the mystery, mm-hmm. right? What happened in those missing two hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, is she remembering the things that she's telling us? Yes. Or she, is she remembering them correctly? And then because she, I mean, she, I mean, she's, she drinks that much because she has undealt with emotional issues. Mm-hmm. So can we believe her or is she d- deluding herself into thinking things that are, you know, aren't true are. So it's a, it, they're extra layers of mystery. Do you think too, because I know a lot of that was that her um, husband, well, again, I'm trying not to spoil it, but d- made her feel crazy. Mm-hmm. When yeah, in there's actuality, a lot of gaslighting happening, yes. which is another Hitchcock movie. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, I'm not drunk ever. <laughs> and I feel like people do that to me now. People so, do probably do that to yes. you. Yes. And in, in terms of a literary tradition, mm-hmm. this goes back to the 1800s. This goes back to the yellow wallpaper. Mm. So ultimate unreliable or questionable reliability in the female yes. main character in the yellow wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of people telling you you're crazy. Mm-hmm. So making you believe that you are weaker or crazier than you really are. Yes. So, I mean, this is a long-standing literary tradition. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, questioning the reliability of a f- female narrator is an interesting commentary. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time the unreliable female narrator is the only one who knows what the hell is going yes. on. Yes. Right? Yes. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's interesting to say maybe she's not as unreliable mm-hmm. as she as as we think that she is. Maybe it's the people around her who mm-hmm. make her think that she's crazy. The girl from Girl on a Train is not crazy. No. She has um, problems. And she is I mean she's she, not. She's right. And <laughs> And so, I don't know about Paula Hawkins, who wrote Girl on the Train. Mm. I know Gillian Flynn, who wrote Dark Places and mm. uh, Sharp Objects and Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. She identifies herself as a feminist. She says it all the time. Okay. Uh, and 
she says that she's celebrating a woman's right to be complicated, flawed, profane, unsympathetic, even pragmatically evil, bad, and selfish. Hmm. So she thinks, I mean, we have The Sopranos, right? Yes. We have Breaking Bad. We have True. We have lots of books in literary tradition of mm-hmm. male characters who take what they want. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I don't think we should celebrate any <laughs> person. Do, but I, no, I agree no, we, with we what she's saying, that women have the right mm-hmm. to be more complex and shouldn't be pigeonholed into right. you know, what you want women, all yeah. women, to behave and be like. No, I get it. Yeah, and so, I mean some people criticize her books and say it's this is a parade of awful women (laughs) because even the narrator in dark places says i have a meanness in me real as an organ Mm -hmm. well how do you want her to be if her whole family gets murdered yeah um so she's what jillian flynn is doing is ignoring the stereotype of a innately nurturing woman Mm -hmm. yes right definitely ignoring the archetype of self-help and self-improvement that i mean these are not ladies who go who have retail therapy and spa days (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) no can't even think of an appropriate term for what they do but so they there is no resemblance Mm -hmm. to any kind of female trope yes any kind of stereotype for a female character i think that's why i i thought the book was so good i mm-hmm. hated the ending mm-hmm. but i you know in real life you don't always get a happy ending right and people don't always get what they deserve mm-hmm. or what's coming to them so um i can appreciate that yeah and so and one of the problems in gone girl that she gets criticized for is that there's a fake there's a false rape allegation yes and people say that's a terrible depiction of women women struggle with not being taken as credible Mm -hmm. when they make accusations and so people say she can't possibly be a feminist if she included it in the book and what she said this is a quote to me that puts a very very small window on what feminism is is it really only girl power you go girl empower yourself be the best you you can be for me it's also the ability to have women who are bad characters the one thing that really frustrates me is this idea that women are innately good, innately nurturing. In literature, they can be dismissibly bad, trampy, vampy, but there's still a big pushback against the idea that women can just pragmatically be evil, bad, and selfish. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's right. She is. She's very right, right? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last book I want to talk about is called The Girls. The Girls. But I promise it's not related to the girl <laughs> phenomenon that I just got done talking about. Okay. This book's by Emma Klein from 2016. Okay. It is a loose fictional reimagining of the Manson girls. Ooh, interesting. Evie's the main character. She's also a teenager in the 1960s, so that's set in the same time as uh, Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very accurate in the way it depicts being a, that being a teenage girl is basically impossible, right? It's a hellscape mm. all on its own. That in itself is a horror novel, mm-hmm. being a teenage girl. It's, I would say, this is me saying, it's uncomfortably accurate in the way it describes how it feels to be a teenage girl. Her parents are divorced. She has like one friend. 
Uh, and she just doesn't feel confident. She doesn't feel self-assured. She always feels like she's kind of doing the wrong thing. She sees these girls in a park and they look totally cool, confident. They don't care what people around them think about them. They're, mm-hmm. dun- they're dumpster diving. Mm. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so she's impressed by them, by yeah. their self-assurance, by the fact that they're traveling in a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she runs into one of them later. Uh, and she's just an emotionally vulnerable, kind of alone person. Mm-hmm. Evie, the main character. She's had a fight with her one and only friend. You know, her life is kind of just, ugh. So these girls are the opposite of everything that she reads about in fashion magazines. They're messy. They don't care about fashion. I don't think they shave. They just hmm. do their own thing. Uh, they're also the opposite of Evie. They're confident. They do what is unexpected. Mm-hmm. They're dumpster diving. They travel yeah. in a group. They have lots of friends. They don't pay. They're not looking around to see are boys looking at me? Am I getting attention from boys? I don't. They don't care about any of that. So she is like magnetically attracted to them. Mm-hmm. She thinks they're just the coolest ever. Yeah. And she's in a vulnerable situation, right, where she is more apt to be convinced. So she ends up going with this girl to the ranch where they all live and it's a bunch of girls and this dude named russell Hmm. it's obvious to us while we're reading it that russell is a creepo Mm -hmm. and that he is deliberately looking for girls that are desperate Mm -hmm. that he's manipulating them i mean we can see it Mm -hmm. as more sophisticated readers but Evie can't see it. And we can understand exactly how she got into that situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She doesn't have any reason to suspect them. And it seems kind of like a dream. Right? They're all... Hanging out. Yeah. It's like a commune. Yes. They're playing music. She's enamored of Russell. She keeps visiting. She's drawn to Suzanne, who's one of the girls who kind of adopts to her. Um, there's a famous musician who hangs out at this ranch. Oh, wow. So, um, again, all very loosely based on Charles Manson. Mm. Did you know Charles Manson used to hang out with the Beach Boys? Yes. Yeah. So, um, Evie steals money from her parents to mm-hmm. give to Russell and to take to the ranch to help them get food. They're always broke because they don't mm. have jobs. They just hang around. Um, she and Suzanne get caught breaking into her neighbor's house. She's never supposed to go. I mean, her parents, are, of course, are like, you can't ever hang out with him again. Yeah. You're going to live with your father. Uh, she goes to live with her father, and she like likes it. She enjoys it. She feels more confident. She gets along with her stepmother. Um, she kind of grows as a person. But um, it's clear that she's still kind of emotionally stranded. So she, uh, I'm not going to give away the ending. But I told you already that it was a reimagining of the female followers of Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting it on the Scary Story podcast. So, you know, make some of your own conclusions. <laughs> um, it's more of a psychological thriller. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I'm saying some creepy stuff's going to go down. Okay. I'm just not going to tell you all about it. But no ghosts, no chainsaw. Well. So anyway. <laughs> When she first sees them from her lonely, boring, suburban, listless kind of viewpoint, Mm -hmm. she looks at them and says, these long-haired girls seem to glide above all that was happening around them, tragic and separate, like royalty in exile. 
Wow. So I, I, I remember being a teenage girl feeling like I was an idiot and I was just doing all the wrong things yeah. and shoes were wrong and and Not I was like trying to yesterday. keep up. <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing people mm-hmm. and it seemed like they everything came easily to them. Yes. And they mm-hmm. were doing all the things right. And even if I went to the store immediately and bought all the same clothes and shoes I still couldn't do what they, whatever it was they were doing. Yeah. Right. And that's the nature of being a teenager. Yes. So the book, the girls is spooky. It's twisted. It's very well written. It's something I would definitely call literary character driven. And it will make you wonder just like Evie wonders, could I have in my life been vulnerable to a situation like that? Yeah. Ooh. That's the creepiest part. That is. Yeah. And it's almost like a, you know what they say about a lobster boiling. Mm -hmm. So it's, these instances of change over time, mm-hmm. right? It seems normal, and then it's just incrementally creepier. Wow! As the story goes, so it's one exciting experience at a time. What normal is is constantly being redefined, and so it's small adjustments, increasing and twisting, and until we get to the major creep mm-hmm. situation. And so you wonder, right? What I have noticed, and you want to say yes, mm-hmm. but the book is very good at drawing you into Evie's perspective. Oh wow! Um. And she knows that she's powerless. She says, at that age, I was first and foremost a thing to be judged. And that shifted the power in every interaction onto the other person. Hmm. And that is exactly how I felt when I was a kid. Oh, right? yeah. Whoever yeah. I was interacting with was two steps or more mm-hmm. better than me. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah. So I want to say before we in the podcast that we are going to tweet out two lists one is our top scary stories for halloween and one is five mystery books that we would recommend i'm not going to rank mystery books um it's very hard for me to do i want to read them all Mm -hmm. and the other thing i want to say is that we have lots more books to talk about obviously i'm an english professor uh, Misty is a history professor, but she reads books. And yes. Hopefully you'll come back. If you ever read a book, yes. you can. T- well, I mean, hey, and what's interesting, I read the graphic novels. And That's true. I read you the should come on that because, yes. because Misty never will read a comic yes, book in her life. I will definitely. I'd love to. So I do want to say uh, some other books you might want to check out. Naomi Alderman's The Power, which is women develop a kind of electricity in their hands. Ooh. Um, Octavia Butler. My mother would kill me if I don't mention Agatha Christie. Oh, yes, please. Don't Isabella Allende, who writes in English and in Spanish. Uh, she has... a scary book? She, well, ghosts, like, scary oh, in the same yes. way Beloved, maybe, is yes. scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mariko Koike is a Japanese author whose name I just pronounced wrong. But um, she's going to be on some of our lists, and she writes very creepy ghost stories. And as you know from horror movies, right? Yeah. Japanese horror movies are That's very scary. Worst. Same is true in Scariest literature. <laughs> is what I mean. Not the worst as in bad, but they're super scary. Yeah. They're very extremely, mm-hmm. extremely scary. Yeah. Hey, Christina, what's next in your lady life? Well, Allegra, after I respond to 50 emails today, I it's, plan, hard, it's hard to be the boss. It's really hard. Uh, <laughs> my son wants to be a dog for Halloween, so I need to figure out what kind of dog. Do I need to purchase a Paw Patrol. 
caught no he said no he every time i do you want to be chased do you want to be this dog from paw patrol no i just want to be a dog oh okay so are you gonna do the are you gonna make it i'm yes probably because i feel like he'll so reject I'm everything so impressed yeah you're gonna make i'm gonna make it it's not gonna be fantastic but he's three he won't care so allegra what's yeah. next in your lady life uh aside from grading I think I have to say that because you're my boss. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to mention something (laughs) work-related. He's great. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to see the new Halloween movie tonight. Ooh, yeah. With Jamie Lee Curtis. Tell me how that goes. All right, I will. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profess Hers. Our podcast about seeing movies, music, TV, literature, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Allegra, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm Christina, and I like going to bed early. (laughs) So tired, sorry. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are, which has got to be very great. Mm Mm-hmm. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Profess Hers. That's at P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S. Or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast, reviews, and subscriptions. Best way to keep up with us. Uh, please keep doing all those things. And we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend. Our podcast is written by Missy and me, and today also by Christina Martinez-Sullivan, and engineered and produced by Austin Haynes and Scott January. And remember, people of quality don't fear equality.